Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind and you know that grabbing a DiGiorno classic crust pizza can bring home the W. Because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno classic crust pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Golik and Smetty here. All right, welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. I'm Mike Golik Sr. That's Jessica Smetana. Uh, We have been doing this now for more than a few episodes, and I think I finally have the first bone to pick with you, Jess. Oh, no. What did I do? Well, it had to happen sooner or later. We know that. So as we're getting ready to to tape this this pod, Jess texted me and said, Listen, I had a, a prior engagement. Uh, DraftKings, we were having, they took us to lunch down here in Miami. And, you know, you wanted to go to that. And understandable. And you said Miami traffic, which sucks, by Awful, the way. Terrible When traffic. I was down there for the Super Bowl, I wanted I wanted to explode with what was going on down there. It was <laughs> no, horrific. it's gotten worse, too, because oh everyone, my everyone God. has moved here. Yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> I, I digressed there. But <laughs> so you went out to dinner. You and the gang with the DraftKings people went to a great restaurant and everyone is having a drink. And what did you tell me when you first got on uh, on air with me? Well, I told you I didn't order anything to drink because I knew we had to do this show. And Mike, you were playing hurt last week. I felt like it was my duty to be on top of it this week so we could both be you know, on an equal playing field. I, I didn't want to play hurt this week, even though you were hurt last week from the wedding. So I, I didn't order anything, even though... The martini. There was an espresso martini that was calling my name, but it was like a, it was a two o'clock lunch. I couldn't drink a martini, come back here, and then record the show with you. It would be a disaster. Yes, you could. You know what? What your your actions were very professional, very professional, and I'm, I dare I say, I'm highly disappointed. I'm I'm highly disappointed that you didn't partake. And then now the difference is uh, if, if you drove, I understand. But if you Ubered, then I would have really hoped you would have partaken a few times. Boy, that could only add to, add to the fun of the show, right? Yeah, but I'd probably be asleep right now. That's the problem. We went to Smith and Walensky, okay? So oh, I had like man. burgers. There, we got apps like DraftKings hooked it up. I mean, oh. it, was, it was amazing. And we had, I ordered dessert, Mike. It was like a four course meal. I would be passed out asleep right now if I had anything to drink. Oh, I, when I when you said that, I, I felt like, you know, again, because you're the, the age of my daughter, Sydney, that I was disappointed in my daughter when I heard you didn't uh, get, it, get it. How bad is that? I'm so disappointed, Jess, you didn't get hammered at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I like doing the show with you, Mike. And I, to- I, I told you, like, if Stugatz were there, you, you know he would have had a drink. But actually, Stugatz ditched it. He would never go. Well, to, I mean, that, that's the most known thing of all time, that he would ditch <laughs> it. And it's great. Hey, great, you DraftKings guy. Go down and take everybody out to lunch there. Screw the guy sitting up here in Arizona by himself, all right? <laughs> I'll just go make me a, a, a bologna and cheese sandwich. You know, after we're done here, I'm good. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. My God, can you tell I'm bitter? I, a little bit. I mean, you just come to Miami, Mike, anytime. I'll take you out. Uh, well, I appreciate that. I, I am going to get down there because as we start to go video with this thing, we're going to be in the same spot. As I said, we're going to do an entire 
uh, pod while you're baking. It'll be okay. some about baking, but we'll do an entire pod, sports, in and out of sports, out of sports, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're going to bake and we're going to eat. So I, I look forward to that. So, all right, I have to, we're going to have uh, my old buddy, Sean Salisbury, join us in a little bit to break down the draft. And I'm going to get into him with a little NBA as well. He does a show down in Houston, so he covers everything. And he was a big basketball guy as well. So that's coming up in a bit. We'll get our football fix in. But Jess, I watched uh, F1 again. I, I, as we've discussed, I'm, I'm getting into this uh, a lot. It was in Italy. Mm-hmm. And you know what I liked is I start watching it the day or so before the qualifying. And in this one, I hadn't seen it before. They had a sprint race, like yes. 21 laps or whatever. Yes. Hey, that was very cool. All right. So I like okay. that. But here's my question. I started learning terms and the one that I had to start looking up, DRS. Ah, DRS. I'm draft glad you re- asked. Draft reduction system, right? It's drag reduction drag, system. Drag, draft, drag, drag, drag reduction system. It so, is draft week, though, so I understand. So, exactly. So let me see if I understand this correctly now. Okay. There are, And all you that are F1 fans out there, bear with me. Those of you who aren't F1 fans, you should become F1 fans because it's actually a lot of fun to watch. There are zones in the track. Most have one zone. I think this one had two zones mm-hmm. where if you are – trailing a car by under one second and Mm -hmm. you're in this zone you can engage the drag reduction system which sounds just like it is it reduces the drag so you're able to go about 10 to 12 miles an hour faster and that's kind of a passing zone where you can make a move am i correct in all that explanation you're correct essentially like the rear wing of the car is adjustable so the rear wing actually goes down and then you can go you can go faster because there's less drag so you're able to to have a little bit more pace and overtake. So I have a couple of questions here. If you're, if it's just two cars were involved, let's start with just two cars. They're in that zone. The car behind is within a second and he can engage that drag reduction system. Mm-hmm. The guy in front of him, can he no. engage that? No, unless he's a second behind the car in front of him. I mean, the one the, the, uh, so, so while I, I understand from a fan's point, it can make it interesting because that's like a quote unquote passing zone. Right. If I'm one of the drivers, I'm thinking this is bullshit. No, I can't you drive do- faster. Oh, but I can't do oh, wait. I'm a uh, drive faster. I'm in front of this guy. I'm leading him. And now if he's in this special friggin' zone, he can <laughs> advantage to drive faster to pass me. Right, but then you can, if you're that close, you can get back in DRS yourself and pass them. But you, that's why it's really important to maintain more than a second ahead of the car behind right. you so you don't put yourself in that position. But there's been races where, uh, like this season, where like Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen have like exchanged places because they both keep getting, you know, DRS and overtaking one another. So okay. it does make it more exciting. And, and Mike, Overtaking is fans have been complaining for years that there's not enough. Not enough of it. Okay. Which is why they have DRS. Which is why they had all these regulations this year. Right. Right. Cars and yada yada. Okay. All right. So again, because they want to engage fans more, I understand the move. I, I understand that then because it does make it more exciting when you can see that. Now, how about if there are four cars mm-hmm. within that zone, and say the last car, the fourth car is within a second of the car in front of them, but not two cars in front of him. Can he only pass that one car in the DRS or can Mm. he pass two cars? 
okay so in this hypothetical situation like yeah. these cars so the drs zone isn't that big that so long okay be like that many cars usually but right. you, yeah you can as long as you're a second behind you your drs is engaged i might be wrong about that because i'm also okay. not an f1 expert but i think as long as you're a second behind you're in your you can have drs okay all right i was wondering about that and then lastly it seems to me, now I picked up F1 and I knew about F1 mm-hmm. when Lewis Hamilton was the man. Right. He now, still is. no, well, he still is. But obviously the cars aren't because wasn't it kind of whoever the head of Mercedes is who was at these races actually apologized to Lewis Hamilton saying, the car is not worthy of you? I mean, okay, he may be phenomenal, but is his reign over because of the new rules out here? Okay, so you're you're talking about Toto Wolf, who is the head of Mercedes. He's like the team principal. I think he also owns a stake in Mercedes racing. So Toto apologized to Lewis Hamilton after right. the race because Lewis did not have the pace this weekend to keep up and to stay in the points, which is position one through ten. Um, you get points for the, the championship and for the Constructors' Cup. So Toto apologized to Lewis. Now, in the meantime, George Russell finished, I believe, in fourth yeah so one of the mercedes cars did okay and and lewis hamilton's car didn't do okay and so i don't know some people mike were like uh toto is he's being too nice to lewis like lewis just didn't have a good weekend and and the car's just not very fast but but george russell seems to be getting a lot more out of this car right right you know there's some which is it yes i know you're a hamilton fan but let's try let's be unbiased I don't know. So I don't know enough about cars to really know what's going on. I've read a lot about it, and it seems like it's true that the car is not as fast as the other cars. It cannot keep up. There's this thing happening with the car called porpoising, which means that it's, like, shaking up and down. Right, right, right. Right. I mean, I don't know. I I think a porpoise is like a dolphin. I don't even know what any of this means. I just am learning about this for the first time, just like you. But anyways, um, so the car is not very fast, and especially when the car is in, it's called dirty air, which means right. the car yes. is behind other cars, and mm-hmm. you're not getting a clean, you're not getting clean air like through right. the car, so you can't go as fast as you would be if you had clean air. The car does really bad in that, so Lewis was never able to qualify uh, near the top this weekend, and he, so he wasn't able to do well in the sprint race, and therefore he wasn't able to do well in the actual race on Sunday, whereas Russell had a better qualifying time. So he was able to get more clean air and finish higher. So I don't know. I think Mercedes has two, like easily, no question, two of the best drivers on the grid. Probably not the best two, because I think Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc are the yeah, best two right, right now, this especially this season, but they're both excellent drivers. So for them to not be able to fin- be able to finish in the top three or you know they've got a couple top five finishes this year both of them like that's not good for well who's the former you know eight time champions like championships in a row of the constructors cup right so i think it's probably probably the car well let's also be fair lewis hamilton got to the podium in the first week because the two cars in front of him right you know begged out exploded (laughs) didn't finish (laughs) so that that helps you get on the podium so so if i know if i have it correctly you're saying lewis hamilton is a has-been and he's through no that is not what i'm saying at all (laughs) no i think he's i think they just so mercedes this is what happened last season too so there's all of these this this takes a little bit of explaining i'm going to try to explain it the best i can you go ahead there were all of these new rules put in place for this this car 
for this season's car. So like every year, basically they, they, these teams rebuild the cars to the specifications of formula ones, you know, racing, racing guidance and governance. And you have to have things be a certain size and weigh a certain amount and look a certain way and be a certain way. But there's variance within that to how you get a competitive car within the rules. So all of there, this season, in particular, the cars are completely different than last season because Formula One wanted to make a concerted effort to have the cars be able to overtake more to make the races more exciting. So Mercedes and all the other teams, to be fair, had to basically rebuild their cars. Some teams' rebuilds did really well, like Ferraris yeah, seems to yeah, be really right. good. Red Bull seems to be really good, minus the issues that they've had in two races now where they've had to right. retire cars towards the end of the race. But Mercedes doesn't look to be as competitive. Now, if you think back to last season, when Mercedes was developing this season's car, Mercedes was pushing really hard to get Lewis Hamilton to win his eighth championship against Max Verstappen. So the last half of, of the 2021 season, Mercedes was making a lot of uh, altercations to last season's car because they thought they had the championship within their grasp, which they did. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen were tied with points going into the final race of the season in which there was then a hugely controversial decision made in the final lap of the race. And Max Verstappen won by, uh, by seconds. Like he overtook Lewis Hamilton in the last lap of the race and won the championship. But Mercedes was like right there, Mike. They right. almost had it. So I think there's, there's people who think that because Mercedes was so focused on Lewis winning last season, they might've taken away some resources from having a competitive car when this season started. And so now they're playing catch up. Whereas the other, the, some of the other um, cars seem to have taken more time. And like, you're seeing like Haas, Haas suddenly has a competitive car for the first time in, in years because they might have taken more time last year to do it. Cause they knew they weren't going to be competitive at all. So there's been a huge shift. I, I suppose from last season to this season in the way that the cars are made and, and what they look like and how they work and to the advantage of some like Ferrari and to the disadvantage of Mercedes. And I know that there are probably F1 fans listening that are going to get in a you know pedantic argument with me about the way I explain that, but I did the best I could. We're all fans here. Yeah. Hey, listen, just <laughs> just just hit us both on Twitter. You know, we're learning. Oh, they will. Here. Trust me, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they will hit me on Twitter. The I other thing, no, Mike, yeah. the sprint race thing. That's a yes. relatively new thing. They did it, I think, three times last season. I think there's a lot of old school Formula One fans who are not sold on it because they think it's a little gimmicky. It's like, oh, you're throwing in like this extra thing. It's not a real race. You know, so like what? It's fun to watch. They're to change. I agree. I think the yeah. sprint race is fun. It's it's super exciting. 20 yes. laps as fast as you can go. And, you know, there's there's like basically no pitting for, for most of their cars. Like you're just going as fast as you can for 20 laps on the same set of tires and the winner wins. And then they get to start in, you know, first place for, for the next race. I, I, I thought it was cool. Right, we didn't even mention Verstappen won. It's, it's Leclerc and Verstappen. It's their world right now between the two of them trading off. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, obviously, I was just kidding about, you know, him being through. I, you know, we'll see what they can do. I, I do remember that, obviously, and I think in 21, he signed a two-year extension at $70 million a year, which I oh, do yeah. think, as I say, as we segue to football, probably in another three or four years, the top quarterbacks in the NFL will be making 70 a year. They're sitting at 40 now, but we'll see if they can get up to Lewis Hamilton uh, area as we transition to football.
Well, yes, Mike. And uh, the next race for Formula One is here in Miami. I'm hoping to attend, still waiting to find out if I'm if I'm getting a credential or not. But I'll let you know what it's like uh, up close and in person. So the next time that, you know, we want to go to a race, you, me, and Ben, I'll give you a little heads up. I, I hope you can because I, I tried as well. My God. I mean, <laughs> holy smokes. I mean, forgetting even the price because I don't care. I'll, I'll pay a price. But, wow, it's, it's tough to get stuff. That's yeah. for sure. It really is. So we'll see. I hope you can make it down there as well. And uh, that, that's in May, which, you know, we'll, we'll obviously be talking about it then. But it's time to do a little football talk. All right. Let's do it. All right, Jess, joining us now, listen, one of my favorites. Right now, he's doing morning radio for uh, Sports Talk KBME 790 in Houston. But well before that, Sean and I, as seniors in high school, were on the same high school All-American magazine. Then we played against one another. Sean was a quarterback at USC, and I played at Notre Dame. Then we played against each other on our various teams in the NFL. Then we were teammates at ESPN for a number of years. And we have just kept touch over the years. So Sean and I have known each other since 1981. Well, 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 Jess, before you were born. And uh, that's before my parents even got married. Oh, just stop it, it, Jess. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Sean, obviously, uh, it's always great uh, talking to you. I love coming on your show, and I appreciate you coming on. Go look and Smitty here. Uh, And uh, you know, before we even get into the draft, something, you know, I know you were undrafted. I was a 10th rounder. So that first day of the draft does nothing for us because we, we were never really uh, involved right. in it. But uh, let's go back because Jess is a, is a 16 grad at Notre Dame as well. So we like to, to flaunt that around. You grew up in California, but Notre Dame did recruit you. You ended up going to USC. Was right. there ever a thought for you of, of leaving California and going to ND or no? There was, Mike, and it's great to be on with you. And I, I think back when we were praying All-Americans and we made first team All-American, that nowadays with all this social media, imagine, I like to convince myself that we'd have been crushing the, the name image. And I, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm just born way too soon, Jess. So we're, we're sorry about that. But you know what, Mike, I did. When I took my recruiting visit, it was, it, first of all, it was cold, and it, but I loved it. I, I grew up, it, it was the history which drew me there at first. Cause you know, growing up in Southern California, why do people want to go to Notre Dame? And well, you want to go to Notre Dame because that's all I remember growing up, Southern Cal, Notre Dame, Notre Dame on TV. And the history of it was uh, intriguing to me. And then when I got on the plane to fly back there, the second I got off the plane, they put, put me, when I got into uh, South Bend and on campus, Mike, it was at 17 years old, it's overwhelming, especially if you're somebody who didn't grow up around it, right? Just seeing it on TV and talking to people who had, you know, been Notre Dame fans. But, and then I, 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 when they took me on campus and then immediately went to the bookstore, I felt, well, I was overwhelmed. And they start walking around and talking about the history of the university and touchdown Jesus and the golden, you know, the golden dome. I was, yeah, I'll put it to you this way. Had I had not, had SC not have been my team between BYU and Notre Dame, if I was going to leave the state, uh, and go any farther than a thousand miles, Notre Dame would have been it. I loved it. And that's why for me, while our tradition and we joke about it, I still think it's the best, most respectful rivalry in college football. Uh, I don't, there, there was never a time that I had that, oh, I hate Notre Dame. When you're playing, you want to beat them, but there's still to this day, I root for, you know, guys like you and my friends that played there, but I did. I, it was hard on me. And they were in the middle of the coaching switch from right, divine right. to, to, Jerry, to Faust. Uh, Jerry Faust, 
And to talk about an overwhelming job going from Moeller High School to Notre yeah. Dame a little I'll bit, follow. right? So, yeah. But I, I'll never forget. I'll tell you this quick story, Mike, because you, you'll appreciate it. I, I was – when they came on, when they made the trans, uh, transformation to the, another coach, to Jerry Faust, he was all that energy, as you well know. Yeah. I've been there with him. And he came onto my campus. And we were getting ready for basketball practice because football season was over. And I was out there, and he comes into my gym, and we're just getting ready to warm up, but nobody's in the gym yet but me. And so I'm warming up. He goes, hey, Sean, you know, when that voice <laughs> really comes fouls. He says, if I make a half-court shot before you, you're coming to Notre Dame. I, I kind of rolled my eyes like, give me a break. I'm a, I'm a basketball player before a football player. Laughed at 17, arrogant as I'm going to kill him. First shot I make, he goes, you go first. And I missed it off the back heel of the rim from the – the side part of the, the half court. The next one I missed again, and he missed his second one. I missed a third one, and he knocked it down nothing but net. No. Mike, I'm telling you, he shook my hand, walked out of the gym quickly like he does. You know, he's always, it seemed like he was always urgent. And I didn't see him again. He went out and went to my thing. He goes, I'll see you at Notre Dame. I'll call it. We talked. Gone. Went <laughs> in to see my high school coach and was <laughs> gone. And I still didn't go to Notre Dame. But yeah, I, Mike, I, it was my favorite trip because of I was so enamored with the history of Notre Dame and all the great players. I knew more about the history of Notre Dame probably than I did Southern Cal, the Trojans. But yeah, it was close, but I just, I, I stayed with the one that I had grown up loving a little bit more. Well, it's a better history. I mean, Notre Dame is just one of those iconic schools, unlike Southern Cal. Oh, wow. Wow. She's coming in hard there. Uh, Sean, you, she did. Dropping you, the hammer already? You said it's like a respectful yeah. rivalry, but I, I mean, maybe that's because you went to Southern Cal before the Bush push, because that's that was like my first college football memory with Notre Dame, because I think I was probably in like, I don't know, fifth grade at the time yeah. so i that that broke my heart so i have hated southern cal like i have I was at all the game, animosity Jess. to that i i was at that game it was as a fan we flew into chicago and a bunch of us went in and went there and tailgated and i'll never forget was on the field and charlie weiss calls me over to the end zone during warm-ups and says you know sean we're beating you guys today and i look i said charlie really i said i i i, I, I love it he goes but we are and we talked for about 15 minutes i'm walking away he goes we are going to beat you today and that was a great football game yeah. and Samarja up and down the field. And it ended right because I didn't see a push, Jess. So to me in your fifth grade, get, get that out of your mind. It, there was no cheat there. Didn't no, exist. I saw a liner trip wow. into the back. Of it sounds wow. like Charlie Weiss just jinxed the entire football team. <laughs> like I, I've, I've blamed Charlie Weiss for a lot, but I feel like I could definitely blame him for this. Why is he talking smack before the game's even well, over? That's what Charlie did. So <laughs> Charlie exactly. talked. Oh, he let me know, Sean, we're winning today. You know, and just Sean is right. It, it was a kind of a respectful rivalry because we weren't close to one another by proximity where some of these others are. And, they were all, we were all, you know, highly recruited guys that were recruited at both places and some, you know, split and went the other way. So it kind it kind of was, don't get me wrong. Listen, there was, you know, oh. we got after it. I mean, my brother's year in 77, when they won the title, that's when they came out in the Trojan horse at Notre Dame and they pulled out the green jerseys, but that bush push. I hated it just because as a defensive player, I thought it's such oh, yeah. bullshit that you can push 
it, you can they, you can shove somebody from behind into the end zone, and then for a while they tried to outlaw it, but never called it. So then just said, "Screw it, you can do it now." And I right. thought, how ridiculous is this? But what a but it, oh, it, it, listen. But you remember that game? It wasn't even the push; it was the pass along the sideline that right got down him the left sideline yeah. on SC SC side on that liner threw up into the hole yep. Yep. on a little drop shot. That you're so right. Everybody points to that. It's like. Damn, it was like I go back to the Red Sox. It wasn't the Carlton Fisk home run in '75. Right. It was the Bernie Carbo home run that got him to, to 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 be able to get a shot to Carlton Fisk into the center field well. But Mike, and it was right there along that side. And you're right. And of course, it was an illegal play on the Bush Bush. Yeah. Course, but we ain't giving that shit back. No, hell no. With the rivalry, and when I say respectful and the passion, Jess, Mike, Mike, you know this. We wanted to kill each other when we're on the field, and it was just the way they treated like families. Like when you tailgated after, like even when I went there for that game, we were tailgating with Notre Dame alum right. and fans as well. And my mom and dad always went back to South Bend to attend that game. They'd stay in Chicago and they'd go to that game. And at no time was there ever any, you worried about there's going to be a fist fight in the parking lot. It was always passionate, but there was respect and, and it still exists that day. Now, listen, you're not supposed to love each other while you're playing, but it's okay to try to beat each other's brains in and then shake hands and hug afterwards because you are right. So many of us, from you and me to Del Rio to Scott Groom to Blair Keel, to, we can go on and on with the list. Alan Pinkett's were getting recruited by both, and it was just a matter of which one proximity or which one you grew up loving more. So the last one from the college aspect, and let's bring it into today, and you would have had way more opportunity because you were in California back then, whatever the big thing was like around your college, what would have been, because being the star quarterback, what would have been the NIL? What what do you think you could have gotten back in 81 if NIL right. was going on when we went to school? An apple, a bullet, and a cigarette, man. That's about, no. <laughs> you know what, Mike, considering, you know, because when you were the SC quarterback, and this is not Aaron, but you know, it was just, yeah. you were the, when you were the SC quarterback, in truth, at that time, it was Showtime, the Dodgers, and you were you were yep. one of the bigger stars in town, especially if you were winning and being recruited like we were, fortunately. I don't know what it would have been in today's money, but I can tell you this. If USC isn't at the top every year in name, image, and likeness with all the, you know, with all the reach there, right, and with the alum, I would imagine – I'm going to put it in today's terms, and you you would have made a lot too, but as a quarterback at Southern Cal, oh, I would yeah. imagine in today's terms it would be a couple as a number one rec, you know quarterback recruited yeah. in the country probably going in a, a, a two to three million dollar start. Yeah. What what just product to, just to be there? What product do you think, or or multiple products back then? Uh, what was big? It would have you know you start to think about well it wasn't the cell phones weren't involved. No. No. I don't know what kind of technology restaurants it would have been. You know, the Playboy Mansion was a big part. The oh. Los Angeles, Dr. Bus was a yeah, big we contributor. Definitely, we definitely had um, that in South Bend. Real too. estate. Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, and it was. And, it, you know, it was at overwhelming, but I sure as hell wasn't giving it back either. So yeah, yeah. it was so Hollywood. It got, but I would imagine then, Mike, you could probably, if you put it in today's dollars, it would have been nice because I know you were sitting there saying, am I going to write a fake check? to get a pizza on a Monday night with the yeah. fellas. My, my senior year or before we left, cause we didn't leave early then. Right. Right. right, right. Is I was making $486 a month scholarship check and living off campus. So we had to pay. I lived with the buddy. We had right. to pay rent. So by the end of it, you're like, how am I going to milk this nine bucks for, or for a Domino's Monday night pizza, two for seven bucks. Right. So 
it would have been nice to see, but I, I love the guys are getting paid and doing it all. It would have just been nice to go retroactive for a second and see what it would have been like. God, that would have been so cool. That would have what been. What would you, Mike? What would, yeah, Mike, right. what would you? What, it, 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 in Notre Dame area, what would it have been like? It, even though it's a Rocco's religious pizza. school in the it, rest. Yeah, it would have. It would have been restaurants. Same way. Right. I mean, you can right. find anything to eat in the Midwest that'll get you big and fat. So that's what I, I ate all the time. The pizza backer trucks, restaurants. The backer. I would have had to have been my senior year when I turned twenty one. Probably the linebacker, yeah. which is the iconic bar right. that is there. So, so at that point, I would have taken free alcohol, which right. clothing, which clothing, not, all that stuff, winter which, which wear, I was, right? It's right. kind of getting free alcohol anyway, but that's a whole yeah, other there's story. No doubt. So, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> all right, uh, we won't live in the past anymore. Looking, why not? I know why it's not? So, much, so much fun at times, you know. But we don't, we don't want to be those old guys yes. on the lawn, though, you know. No get, doubt. Get I'm off my you. lawn, you know. So, right. It, so your quarterbacking days and then going through the NFL and we have seen how the quarterback position has evolved over the years. What's been, do you think of what we see now in the game, the biggest or or the best improvement from the quarterback position, because you work with high school quarterbacks as well. Uh, and, 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 and so today's quarterbacking is so different. So how has that evolution go? So far ahead of the game, Mike, when it comes to the reps and the mechanics, because, if you're like me, you play, and I know this, you wrestle, play sport to sport to sport. I didn't ever have a, a private lesson in my life. And, and seven on seven lasted about three weeks in the summer for us. Seven on, Now it's, man, you're training a guy. You got to fit training sessions into their seven on seven rep after rep, which can be damaging if you, because mechanics, I'll tell you where mechanics aren't good, is in seven on seven. Matter of fact, they'll, they'll tear the shit out of your mechanics. You got to go rebuild and repair, right? But for me, it's the, the mechanics and the constant grind on the little things. It's not just how far can you throw it. It's teaching guys. I was never told until I got a guy who had been a quarterback before me at my high school about throwing people open. You know, you felt like your arm was strong enough. So we get big, strong, physical specimens that now, and I train my guys to, to, to approach it. Like if you're a six, four, guy, and I think measurables are overrated at quarterback to learn how to, to throw and play the position as if you don't have the physical skills that everybody thinks you got, meaning anticipate like breeze. And let's assume you don't have the strongest arm like drew breeze and throw accurate and throw on time. I, to me, it's the one, the mechanics grind and the private training that guys get on a daily basis. And they're willing to spend a lot of money for it, but also Mike, it's the, it's the implementation of, this RPO and the guys who now we're no longer looking at a six, six, two thirty guy and say, you're an outside linebacker. And I, I was big before my time, but we're turning the Josh Allen's and these guys into that, that their feet are just as deadly, which creates full field stuff. And I think now when I watch my high school guys, a lot of these guys are full field. There was a time when we started to make the transition that you're working half the field and the mental grind, I see guys that are far more ahead, even though I can't stand when they snap their head to the sidelines and 11 guys, it drives me nuts. But I I think with a lot of off season training, they're mentally, they're just reps ahead. By the time they get there, we don't expect a freshman to wait two years. The freshman's a lot of time, the best quarterback on the team. So the reps they're getting and the, the, the training they're getting at a seventh grade. I was training a kid, Mike, who's seven, his name's Maverick seven. And he drops three steps back like he did a three-step drop better than a couple high school kids. I'm not kidding you. Wait, his and name is Maverick? 
Maverick, and he's got to oh, be great, right? He's got to be a quarter. He's probably already signed exactly. an NIL deal. And oh I told his dad that. I, told, I said, listen, his name's Maverick, and he can do a three-step drop like this at seven. Then uh, I can't imagine the pressure that's going to be on him when he's 15 and everybody's talking, Maverick's your quarterback, right? So <laughs> it's just the reps, the reps and the, and the attention to detail now that we have. And then the guys are just freakish. But it doesn't mean that they're better than Marino or Elway. They just have more access to – and you and I had to get the thing that we'd had to wind the tape. I can send you a video of a quarterback of mine and you can study 25 plays on a text message from huddle like that. It's the instantaneous stuff that you could, and we get information back so quickly on the urgent. You don't have to wait three days till a can of tape comes in to study your next opponent. When you're doing draft evaluation, Sean, and just to go back to, to Notre Dame and USC for a second, do you show any bias towards players that might have gone to SC? Because I do it all the time with Notre Dame players. Like, I think Kyle Hamilton is the best safety to have ever walked the planet Earth because right. I know him from Notre Dame. <laughs> right. I'm wondering if you do the same thing. He's a really good player. You know what? I actually, maybe it's like, I almost treat SC like I do my, like I did my kids, is I, I'm harder on them. Right. I, I expect more. And I don't know. I, I do. Like, I, I've been, I've always thought Darnold would, had a chance to be a player. And while I thought he is great, you know, great skill set, I'm tired of the potential talk, right? I want production. So I'm probably just, while I love my Trojans, I'm, I'm still leery and I probably grade them. And it's probably not fair either. Grade them harder. I do. And you're right about Hamilton. What a special high IQ football anticipation guy. So I, I wouldn't say I'm easier on him. I, I'm the, I'm the teacher that's a little bit harder on the guy's, where my expectations are. And we've been through a time when there's been some struggles at positions. So no, I, I, I'm the other way. I'm a little harder on SE and I have no problem on my show or when we're doing something of being critical of guys that, and fair, I try to be fair, but I have no problem being critical of a guy that went to my school. Maybe I'm partial if it's six and one half dozen the other, but now I expect more out of the Trojans than, than I do anybody else for whatever reason. And that's obviously because I played there. Well, you're also a professional. Like I'm not fair or impartial. <laughs> like I, I see Ian Book get drafted in the third round, and I'm like, well, he's going to be the next Drew Brees. So right. <laughs> right. Well, that well, that's how you're We're supposed good. to feel. That's a, and listen, some would argue that I know anything about being professional, but I'll take the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> listen, that's why they say fans short for fanatic, Jeff. Right. So you know, that's what fans want to think about. Mike, what do you do? So, do you do that, Mike? Are, are you you're a little oh, harder, right? Yes, yes, I I completely agree because. People in the business we're in now, people are going to expect you to be softer on your guys. So just like you said, when I coach my kids, people say, oh, he's coaching his kids. He's going to be easier on them. So you go the other way. And sometimes you're too hard on them, right. you know, because oh, yes. you, you want no that. You don't want that said about it. So I think it's the same thing with the alma mater. I agree. Yeah. And I'm not willing to make, I'm not willing to lose credibility on our football talk yep. to either kiss the ass of somebody I know or throw some hot take against the wall because it looks good on Twitter or on a show. I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. And if it means the SC guys a little disappointed, Sean, you were awfully hard on me. Well, take it as a compliment because my expectations were higher for him anyway, whether they should be or not. Yeah. Then, then go prove me wrong. I, right. I, I'm with you. You know, we kind of had that professional responsibility. So it then in looking at, because the draft, listen, as hard as it is for me as a D lineman to admit, the, 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 the league's built around the quarterback. And, you know, my wife even said the other day, why doesn't this draft seem like it's got any teeth? And I said, because there's no franchise quarterback we're talking about. Now, 
We don't know because right. this stat blew me away. I believe it was 2005 to 2017. There were 35 first-round quarterbacks taken in that area there of years and players, and only two are on their original team, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So we know what a crapshoot it's going to be. But this year, Sean, it seems like we're really down on these quarterbacks. Should we be, or are we are we missing something that one can maybe turn into something? And Mike, that's such a great point because the truth is statistics are going to say one's going to be a starter for a decade, probably. And uh, two of them are going to be okay and made journeyman switch a few teams. And one may be out of the league in six years looking for a who know, I mean, if you talk about the four that we have at the top, right? right? right. Um, I, and, and we know that in my mic and even with all our stuff we used to do on television and still do an evaluation, I still think it's the toughest position to evaluate in sports because we don't know from high school to college and college to pro with the grown men and how you're going to do with a buck 30 going a game, how you're going to handle failure, all those things that because in college, the windows are bigger too. We're throwing a coffee can size windows in the NFL. And if you're late, you're done. And that defensive end can outrun you and the corner can anticipate everything. So tough to evaluate. But for me, Mike, you're exactly right, is we don't have Andrew Luck sitting at the top of it where he's a no-brainer first pick. And we don't even know in truth, we don't even have the first pick solidified to the point where there's a no-brainer. He's the top. I and mean, it could be Walker. It can. It could be two of the offensive linemen. It could be, hell, Sauce Gardner could be the second pick in the corner. So we don't. Even in the first five guys, we're not real sure if it's Hutchinson or somebody else. So with that in mind, with the quarterback, Mike, I think it comes down to we want to be able to say that guy, Andrew Luck, that guy, Troy Aikman, that guy always a starter, Trevor Lawrence tomorrow. The second he gets off the plane from being drafted, he's the starter at OTAs. We don't have that here. They're all, I mean, you, they're all projects. I don't see one in my, and I've looked at them a lot, see one that, unless Carolina drafts one and, Darnold again urinates down his leg and they don't play well and you got to throw him in in game three, but it's still going to be difficult. I don't see one guy that walks in here and changes a franchise tomorrow. I do see guys with, and they all have ifs, Mike. I don't take, I wouldn't take one in the first 10 unless you're overly desperate. And that's not a knock on them. It's just a fact is I don't like a lot of ifs at that. If you're, if I got a lot of ifs talking about my franchise quarterback, I, I can't draft him. I'll go get another player and wait or do something else. So with that in mind, they all have that by their name. Corral has his strengths. I love his dual threat ability, and he's tough, and has, I love his story. Kenny Pickett, probably the best pure thrower, yet the rawest thrower is Willis, and he has a monster skill set. And then you got, you know, Ritter, who seems mature and, and a leader and feels like he's been around college football for a while. Great feet. So they all have something to like, but they all have a lot of things that you question. I mean, when you combine them all. So for me, it's the fact that we don't have one. I'll be shocked if on opening day, one of these guys is starting. Be shocked mm. when Mayfield and Darnold, we expect those guys to start from the get-go, right? And right, and right. Lamar was about to Josh Allen, all of them. So it doesn't mean three years from now, we're not going to be doing a podcast, you and I and Jess saying, look at that, man, Malik Willis turned into a pro bowler. But the reason it's not sexy, the reason why, because we don't see a guy walking off campus and taking over a franchise like Peyton Manning and that we're going to let him play through it and he's still going to be a stud. All of them projects to the point that if you have to play him now, you are in a very desperate situation. Well, you brought up Trevor Lawrence, who was the first overall pick last year, and then obviously started at Jacksonville amidst a lot of coaching turmoil with Urban Meyer, who then got fired. So I'm curious if you expect him to be the quarterback that he was expected to be when he was drafted first overall, or if you think he has a, a rougher road ahead. 
Yeah, Jess, I think he's a really good player, man, and and can be great. I don't think he was let, – let's put it this way. He was not only battling defenses and a team that wasn't very good with a lot of weapons, but he also had to, in my opinion, overcome what looked to me to be very – well, a, a, not only dysfunctional and a little bit toxic there, but had to overcome – when you got to overcome your own coaching staff, it's a bad thing. It, it is a bad thing when they're not on the same page and one wants this, one wants – that he will be better coached and better prepared with Doug Peterson on the offensive side of the ball. I expect Trevor Lawrence, just like I said on day one, and he made some strides, but he also had some moments. The best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life that were drafted up there or anywhere get kicked in the teeth. Manning, 28 interceptions. Uh, Troy Aikman, like one in 11 start. Elway get booed. And they're able to put the rear view mirror aside, look out the windshield and say, it's okay. I got, this is what I needed. And then the light switch goes on. Lawrence has that ability. He'll be better coach. I don't know if he's going to be in the next year. They got to put some players around him, but you are going to see significant growth. I think they're a surprise team this year. I think they're a team if this draft goes like they want that they're a, that, put it this way. They're not going to be picking first or second in the league next year. They, they will not be picking in the top three in the league. I think there's a, they're a, a seven-win type team, and a lot of it will be because that quarterback makes incredible strides. He's got a demeanor that I love. He doesn't seem to be too uptight or too happy. He gets over bad and good equally as quick, and I like that about him. I feel like it can't it can't get worse, right? I mean, there's exact well, it could, <laughs> but I would imagine well, with the dysfunction of coaching, hell no, it can't. But exactly. with the <laughs> you know injuries, you never know how it's, how it's going to go, but. You can't, they're going to get either an offensive lineman or an edge rusher to get him the ball back. He'll be another year, like I said, it'll even slow down for him. Mm-hmm. Slowing down where you've got things going, your mind slows down and your, your feet speed up. And I think that'll happen. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be, I've seen too many signs of his greatness for him and, and over the course of his career. He even overcame, honestly, at Clemson. They weren't exactly uh, an outlandishly formations and different He's still in the infancy of learning how to spread an offense and get it rolling. Doug Peterson will make sure you see all those boxes checked. I think you give him time. You'll see the best of Trevor Lawrence in the next couple of years. So along those lines of you saying they won't be picking number one next year or in the top three, you, you are down doing your show. We'll get specific on one question. And then I have one other place I want to go. The Houston Texans. I mean, just, a bit of a mess right now. I've gotten right. rid of DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt and the whole Deshaun Watson thing, but he's gone as well. A team where the uh, not a first-round pick, I think it was with third, was then Davis Mills right. took over last year. I actually called his first start last year. Is he the guy? Will they maybe trade for a Garoppolo? And what do they need to do in this draft? I, I, first off, Mike, I don't think they will because I don't think they want to – slow down the Davis Mills opportunity. Now, let's say Mills goes out and plays average at best. They'll be in the Bryce Young sweepstakes next year or whoever they think is the first right, they will. I think this for them is a chance they saw, instead of Davis Mills like rookies sometimes do, you know, Mike, their struggle early, kind of get a little bit better, and then they start to fade because it's a long season, right? Mills got better all year long. He's a great pure thrower of the football. High, and I know this sounds like we're, we're... writing a a draft book but he really is a high football IQ guy my favorite thing about him Mike during all the crap after that Buffalo game he was horrible right when he when he when he was in Buffalo I mean bad he never once made an excuse he never once uh to the media you know gave the 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 pout I confess he did it thing he just kept working 
And I, I like that. And he did it on a team that, quite frankly, Mike, that you and I might have been able to play a few snaps for, right? <laughs> How about it? That's saying something. So I do think he is – I'm not sure he's that guy yet, but I think he's more than a guy. Does that make sense? And I got we got to give it a chance. He hasn't even started a full season. He only started 11 games at Stanford. But this is going to be – it's like Saturday moving day at Augusta. They expect this thing to move this fall and him to process information – They've got to get some players around him. I'd love to see him draft a receiver and an offensive lineman. Mike, they, when you got that many needs, you just don't draft a need. You draft the best guy, right? right they need a tackle. Right. They need some. They, they need to be better against the run. They need an edge rusher when you're playing zone that can disrupt when you're rushing four. They could use corner help. They could use Kyle Hamilton. They could. They they could. And the running game's got to get. Other than that, they're really good, Mike. They got. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he can be a player. And I, I'm anxious to see his growth. I know he puts his time in. So I coached him at a camp when he was a freshman in high school. And they brought him up. It was a camp, a, a, a top gun camp. And Mike and Jess, he was better than every other guy there. And he was a ninth grader. Smooth and, and very under, you know, unassuming and kind of under the radar guy. And here he is now with a chance. But they got to give him a help. But I, I do think he's got a chance. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. From what I've seen, I've seen flashes but I'm going to know more about him by about middle of October to what we see. I would not, I draft a quarterback in, in every draft. If I was a team like Belichick is yeah. fourth round, sixth round, right. you never know when it's going to be an asset. I don't think they're going to touch a veteran or they already would have. And I don't think they want to slow the process down. And I, I, I know they're not taking a quarterback in the first round. Now, if there's Sam Howell in the fourth round, who knows for competition? Cause right now it's Kyle Allen's backup. I, I think that Davis Mills has a chance to elevate this year. I really do. I would not draft one in the first two or three rounds either this year. If I was All right, like, let me go. Let me go one more again. You do more morning radio, and so you obviously cover all sports. And for those that don't know, and Jess, I don't know if you know this either. Along with being a basketball and offered in a ton of places, he was offered or, or football. He was offered a basketball scholarship by Sean at USC and UCLA. Uh, excellent basketball player. So let me ask one on that. The NBA playoffs going on right now. We'll see where they go. We got a couple of injuries with Middleton and Milwaukee and Booker and Phoenix. We'll see where some of this ends up. But I want to concentrate on the last question here because you mentioned Davis Mills and no excuses. Well, it seems to be what we hear out of Brooklyn. So with, with that ending and the Ben Simmons situation and Kyrie talking about the excuses of we haven't had a chance to gel well, I'm sure you talked about that a bit. What What were your thoughts on those guys? Listen, Kyrie Irving is. I don't listen. I don't get into people. Whatever they want to do, vax wise and all that. Right, that's right. on it. Now, that's above my pay grade. You take care of you. I'll worry about me. I got enough trouble taking care of my damn self. But when it and he's a, a supremely talented guy. But it is ironic. We haven't had a chance to gel. Well, no shit. Yeah. My last say that. No, no kidding. Yes. And, yes. And, and part of it was self inflicted. No matter whether you like it or not, it was. And. We know Kevin Durant's good, but what an underachieving disappointment. Mike, if you'd have told me November, you and I had a bet, and I said, you know what? You're going to find with Harden there, who doesn't know how to close out and never has. He's a great scorer, but doesn't know how to close out. That if you told me those three were going to be on the same team and a couple veterans, that they were going to get swept in any playoff series with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their team, I'd have bet you anything that that wasn't going to happen. Well, Boston opens up a can on him, they get eliminated. They are right now, they are in the living in the, I confess, well, what's Steve Nash? Maybe it was a little bit of him and the fans. And then Kyrie, if, talk about ifs, KD, well, if we'd have had a little more continuity and if this would have worked out and we'd have had, uh, uh, yeah, uh, no, no kidding. And then there's Ben Simmons. I don't ever question people's mental health or they're where they are, Mike, because I don't know. 
And I, I far, far be it for me to know what he, when he's sitting talking to whoever he's talking to to get it. And I hope he gets it right. But I can tell you this, um, it feels to me from the sports perspective, like he's afraid to get back on the court. And, and I, guess I, I guess I understand it. I mean, considering, because the life mental stuff is far more important than hitting a jump shot. But it's almost as if that block is there. You know, the guy who can't putt from three feet and can't, just can't make it. I think they're an excuse-making team, and I don't think that group will ever win a championship. And Harden going, watch now. Philadelphia ain't winning one either, and I hate to say that for the Sixer fans because I love their fans, and I know you do too. He'll score, but the commitment factor from him in the offseason, and he's going to get a max contract. So uh, Brooklyn, a heavy disappointment, and uh, I cannot believe with the talent that they were started running out on the court that we're talking about they got swept 4-0 by the Celtics. Boston's underrated and really good. Well, I knew you'd have an opinion about that, John. <laughs> and we really do appreciate your time. Always, always great talking to you, my friend. I know I over-talked it, but, dude, I could talk for hours. And uh, this is, this is a, an honor for me to be on, and you know that. And I always appreciate you. Jess, thank you very much. Oh, Jess, I, Sean and I have been friends for so long, and we've been on each other's shows once we stopped working together for so long. It's always, always fun to talk to him. I'm sorry you had to deal with some of the back-in-the-day talk, back before, A, you were born, and B, your parents were married, as you'd like to remind us of. It was before my parents even met. Um, oh, but no, God. Mike, I like talking about Notre Dame football from the 80s, because that's the last time Notre Dame won anything meaningful. I so, know, you know, it I makes know. me feel a little connected to, to my alma mater. Yeah, yeah, and, and Sean is, is obviously good with everything. Hell, when we were at ESPN, he would do, uh, he would go on SportsCenter and do hockey highlights. I mean, he is so well-rounded in, in what he does, but I knew he'd, He'd like to jump in on the quarterbacks. But then I wanted to end because I knew he was a basketball guy as well, Jess, on what's going on in the NBA with the playoffs. I think one of the first and foremost, Lakers not even making the playoffs. And what a disappointment that is to the to the point of, and we'll get into more of the playoffs. We know Booker's hurt for Phoenix and Middleton, as I mentioned, hurt for the Bucks. So we'll get get more into that, see what upsets still go on in the first round. But the, the, the Nets, Brooklyn Nets getting swept by Boston. Boston was a better team. I think we all know that. But there's a whole lot of head scratching. And you heard Sean going off on Kyrie and on uh, Ben Simmons about how they have handled their situations. Well, I, I just, it's so rich hearing Kyrie talk about not, not gelling. I mean, Sean, Sean already said it, but like, just dude get vaccinated like the answer was there all along like it's a it's good for public health it's good for you if you get sick which i think he was already in health and safety protocols in in the winter it's good for your teammates it's good for everyone like there is not a single negative negative effect to it uh you'll get to play at home before they change the rules now in in the city of new york so i just it's so frustrating uh and it just feels like there's such a lack of self-awareness there <laughs> I, I was somewhat amazed. And, and listen, I'm vaxxed. I know you're vaxxed. But I, as I've always said, if someone doesn't want to get vaxxed, that's their choice. But, I mean, that that's involved in what he said. I mean, so you, you, can you say did, did he should have said after that, I'm the reason we didn't gel because I didn't get vaxxed again, which is his right to do. I mean, that's that's his choice. But then, then, then to say, well, you know, they did and we didn't, I, I just – Man, it just sounds like – and by the way, it, it just as Sean said, he is a great player, but wow, didn't need to hear that. And the Ben Simmons thing, listen, the, the whole mental health situation is a difficult road to go down. But what Sean said, I, I had thought as well, you just wonder if there's like 
in baseball, if it's the yips or, you know, in another sport, if it's just something that where he feels good coming back, but there's just something holding him back because of how he's been kind of ripped on the court. He doesn't take a layup. He passes a ball. He won't shoot a three. If just all that is just so much on him, which maybe would go to the mental part of his game, but that's really holding him back. But I think he's he's only set up to this point he's not playing because of his back, right? So Well, he did he said he brought the mental part into it. I I, okay. I, I would try and find the uh uh the quote that he said, but but he kind of brought the mental part of it into it hurting his back. It sounded really weird, but you know, again, you know, I, I don't think people want to mess with somebody who says, you know, though right. though it though it is interesting that I, I, and, and listen, is there a difference of how we treat men and women with this, and should there be? Because a lot of people getting on Ben Simmons, right? A lot of people when when Westbrook in L.A. said he didn't like that he was being called West Brick and his kids were hearing it in school, and everybody was just telling him, dude, then shoot better or get over it or whatever. But, you know, Simone Biles in the Olympics or Naomi Osaka in tennis – they talk about their men and everybody is like, oh, okay, we got to take a step back. But in the guy's part, it's get the hell back on the court or don't worry about it. Is there a double standard here that, that, that we're not addressing? It's an interesting question. So I would first I would say I think Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles probably did get a lot of backlash. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was documented, though it might not be from people that you and I follow on social media. Could be. Okay, could um, be. But I, I would say, like, if there is a double standard, um, there shouldn't be because I, I think suicide rates are actually higher for men than for women because men are less likely to talk about their feelings. And, right, and right. I'm, I'm being Right. I'm, I'm being like overgeneralizing here a little bit, but like there, there, we should treat anyone who says that they have any sort of like, they need um, assistance with their mental health. We should treat them all the same way, which is with empathy and compassion. And so if Ben Simmons doesn't want to play, I, you know, whatever, I don't need to know about that. Like, it's really none of my business. I know like it's our jobs as people in media to talk about these things and, and have these conversations. But like, I, I truly like, we should just be okay with, players not wanting to play sometimes or not feeling like they can play sometimes because I think it's it's really like it's really dicey to you know be diagnosing people we don't know with certain illnesses which I've heard people in sports media do it's it's dicey to be saying like well if he's so depressed I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't be anxious if I made x millions of dollars like okay sure whatever like you probably would be like we just don't really know everything and, and we shouldn't judge or criticize I think no matter whether it's a female athlete or a male athlete anyone who says that they need help or they need to take a step back or whatever they need like we should just all be respectful of it it's pretty I think it's pretty easy to do I think bottom line it's tough to get in somebody's head or chest you know to get into their mind or their heart difficult to do from a from an actual X's and O's standpoint I think we can easily say though the Lakers and the Nets were two of the more disappointing teams this year from a basketball uh, aspect which is something you know we would talk about and, and as you said you know, people let, let, let people make sure they can deal with their mental health issues if they feel they have some. So uh, I, I think the best way to end this one is this will be this will uh, podcast will come out before the draft is I love the fact now that you can bet on who gets picked <laughs> where I think. And, and what a what a Trayvon Walker from Georgia. What a rise he's made. He is now the favorite 
at, at minus 190 to be the number one pick overall. I mean, how long ago was Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, in the beginning of the season that we talked about, he's sitting at plus 5,000 right now. Aiden Hutchinson then was the guy talked about all the time. He's at plus 225. So good on Trayvon Walker, man. All of a sudden, he's the favorite in this thing. Yeah, are you are you looking forward to any in, anything in particular from I know you're going to the draft with yeah. Gojo, right? In in Vegas. Are you is there like a meal you're looking forward to? You're going to like play roulette? Like are you just going to go to the draft and then come right back? Like what are you doing this weekend? I am a blackjack guy, Jess. Oh, I okay. will be I will be at the blackjack table. They will pull me away from the blackjack table long enough for me to go do what I'm supposed to do at the draft. <laughs> then I will be back at the blackjack table playing blackjack. That's what I like to do. So, uh, you know, I'll find my places to eat and all that. And I was there one time, me and my wife went to see Elton John, which was very, very oh, cool. Yeah. That was awesome. But, uh, yeah, we're there from Wednesday to Friday. So I'll do the work I need to. I have some other things I need to do. But, yes, I will be sitting there. Hit me. I'm good. Hit me. Split them. Double down. I'll be doing all that stuff. So you're going to – you're gonna. Go to the table, and then as soon as you hear the din, 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 you'll get up, run outside, see who's yep. the and the pick is in, and then you'll yep. come back to the black. black I'll, I'll talk about it. We'll it. talk about it a little bit, break it down, and then I have gotcha. what ten minutes, you know, before the next pick, and yeah. hopefully they use all their time. Oh, and it takes me... it always takes longer too. It does. Like, there's always a commercial, and then like some they get, have some guy walk up to the stage. Yep. Sometimes it's you, and they take their time, and yeah. everyone claps <laughs> and they, they wave like wave. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Meghan Markle, wave at the crowd. I, I waved like that it was, when it was in Cleveland and I made the pick for the Eagles. I waved like I was somebody. I'm like, as I was, <laughs> as I was waving, I kid you not, I thought, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I mean, am I seriously waving right now? Wow. But the crowd a, probably loved it. But what, what a day for all these, uh, all these guys. A bunch of new millionaires we're, we're about to have. True that.